Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evikiori and this week we are focusing on the political crisis in Czechia, the president's health that causes instability and the electoral loss of the Prime Minister Babish that leaves the country without a government. What are the next steps for Czechia? We are also talking about the relaunch of the EU's Economic Governance Review, which are the Commission's targets and what can the EU members expect. The political situation in Czechia has been turbulent for a while. After several days of uncertainty, the Czech public learned the truth about the health of the Czech president Miloš Zeman. The president is not able to fulfill his presidential duties. And to hear more on this story, I am joined today by Aneta Zachova from Euraktiv Czechia. Aneta, there is a lot happening uh, right now in Czechia. One of the most important things is the president's health. Would you like to shed some light on what is the story there? Uh, because a lot has been said and written. Actually, one of the most worrying facts is that the public doesn't know what's wrong with, with Zeman, with our president. Uh, we know that his health is really bad. Uh, we know that he's in hospital, that he is treated at the intensive care unit. But his office refused to give us, and with us I mean citizens of Czech Republic and media as well, no information about his health condition. So that's why the Senate, so the upper chamber of Czech Parliament, decided to ask the hospital directly to learn No, not about his disease, but to learn whether he is able to carry out his duties. And the answer is no, he is not able to work. The president and his office tried to disclose the fact that he was ill. What is his condition and why did they hide it? When we see which people are currently surrounding Zeman, it is obvious that they are uh, doing some kind of dirty business and that they are probably misusing Zeman and his like current inability to push through their own interests. They simply want to stay in their positions to keep their influence and inca- income. Uh, for example, uh, one of them, the head of the presidential office, Vratislav Minar, he is uh, currently facing criminal prosecution for subsidy fraud. And, uh, you know, with the end of Zeman as a president, for him, it means the end of his uh, influential position. So these people in Zeman's office are pretending that the president is okay, uh, so they can stay in their office, in their positions, because, like, With every new president, the staff in the office is changing and obviously they want to stay in their positions as long as possible, despite the fact that uh, Zeman, the president, is seriously ill and he will unfortunately be never able to fully recover. Mm-hmm. And what does this mean from a political point of view? How is it destabilizing the political situation, especially after Babish lost the elections? Uh What does this mean in practice for Czechia? The biggest problem is that people are now losing trust in institutions, in officials, uh, because they see what's happening uh, at the Prague Castle, so at the seat of the of the Zeman's office, of the presidential office. And it's also like severe damage for the reputation of the presidential office. 
and regarding political situation uh, in mid-November, the president should nominate the winner of the elections to form a new government. But now we don't know. Uh, we don't know whether we will have the president. Uh, so the Czech Senate will probably vote in the beginning of next month on procedure that will transfer president's power to prime minister and speakers of uh, both parliament chambers, because it seems that now it is the only possible way how to form the new government. And it's quite a pressing issue for the Czech Republic, because next year, uh, in the second half of 2022, uh, we will have uh, the EU presidency. So we need uh, political leadership. We we really need someone who will, you know, form the political priorities. And now there is kind of vacuum, and uh, we really need a uh, new government, new prime minister who will really focus on these uh, EU affairs. Also, they will need a stable government before they move on a European level. Exactly. So a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, your active senior editor, Georgi Gotev, on the podcast uh, talking about the Pandora Papers and, of course, about Babish, whose name is appearing on these papers. Do you think that this maybe influenced the, the outcome of the elections? I don't really think so, because uh, it's true that uh, Babish kind of lost elections. Uh, but when we see uh, the results, still uh, Babish attract a lot of voters, like it's um, more than 25%. So he is still very, very popular among Czech public. People who are voting for Babish, they do not see Pandora Papers or any other uh, causes that are linked to Babish as a problem. Uh, they believe uh, to what Babish is saying. It means that all these issues are kind of campaign against uh, his uh, his office, that there are people who want to simply remove him because he's successful and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, his voters believe in uh, believe his uh, statements. And that's why uh, I don't think that really Pandora Papers changed something on the results of Czech elections. Mm -hmm. And what changes can we expect? What's the next day on a political level in uh, Czechia? I think it's quite clear that uh, the now opposition uh, parties, the coalitions, will form the new government because there are no other parties that would like to cooperate with Babish. So after elections, he has like many mandates, but he's kind of lost. Uh, he has no allies uh, in the Czech uh, political landscape. But um, I think that it's quiet uh, now, like, the, the issue for Czech Republic now is uh, the issue of the next president because like the election should take place uh, in next two years and uh, it seems that we will have to replace the president much more earlier because of his uh, health condition. And I think it's quite likely that uh, Babish will candidate and that Babish will try to become the new Czech president because otherwise he has to stay in opposition 
And I don't think that uh, for Babish, with all his ambitions, it is uh, kind of acceptable for him to to be in the opposition. So I think that we can expect uh, presidential elections soon, and maybe we can even expect uh, Babish among the candidates. Indeed, it will be very interesting to see if Babish will remain into politics in the role of the president this time. You can find Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on euractiv.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. And returning to Brussels, we are talking about the European Commission's progress on reforming the EU's much-discussed fiscal rules, including the bloc's strict debt and deficit limits preserved by the Stability and Growth Pact. And to break down the most important points of the discussion, I am joined today by Euractiv's Economy and Job Editor, Janos Aman. So, Janos, the Commission's Vice President in charge of the economy, Vladis Dombrovskis, and the EU's uh, Economic Affairs Commissioner, Paolo Gentiloni, presented the relaunch of the EU's Economic Governance Review. To put this simply, what was discussed and why is it important? They relaunched the review of the Economic Governance framework and this is important because it includes the fiscal rules um, this means how much debt and deficit uh, member states can make um, it was relaunched because the first launch of this review was had taken place in february 2020 and then the pandemic hit europe okay so everything stopped because of the pandemic and now what's the next step now the next step is uh, is another consultation of member states. They want to include the learnings from the pandemic because, as you know, there are a lot of new um, learnings. There were higher deficits, there are higher debt levels now, and we have a new um, economic or fiscal tool, the recovery, um, the recovery fund. So they want to include this. And the next step is to then decide how to change the fiscal rules or the economic governance framework which will be quite hotly debated. Can you break down for our listeners the rules that the Commission wants to introduce and what are the proposals from their side uh, to achieve stability? Yes, stability is, is a wide term. <laughs> um, the, the Commission didn't really say what rules they want to change uh, specifically, so this is only the, the start of this review process, but they said they wanted to um, allow for more investments more specifically green investments they want uh, to keep on economic growth they don't want to stifle growth because uh, with uh, the austerity from the past decade it was also due to the eu fiscal rules as many economists say so they want to do that but still they want to reduce debt levels and this is something that even uh, mr dombrovsky said uh, it is a little bit a squaring of the circle so what they will probably do is to go full on, on growth, because if you have a lot of growth, investment into growth, you can also reduce the debt levels relative to, to, the, to GDP. And you just mentioned the crucial word austerity. So how will the member states be affected by the relaunch of the economic governance uh, review? 
Well, what they can expect is, is what they will decide in the end because it is the member states that still have uh, a word on this. Um, so we do not know yet what the rules will be in the end. It will be very hard to change the, the rules, the 60% rules, the 3% deficit rules. And you are referring to these percentages of 60% and 3%. Can you maybe uh, give us some context on what they actually represent? Absolutely. So there is uh, the rule that public debt cannot exceed 60% of GDP. Uh, now the average in the EU is around 100%. So this rule is economically nonsensical, as even the, uh, one of the architects of, of these rules said. Uh, there is also a rule that yearly deficit um, of public budgets cannot exceed 3%. Um, there are other rules. Uh, they are. They have been... Um, in place for quite some time and they have been highly criticized because they are not really applicable to, to a lot of economic situations. And with the words economic situations, to which countries are you referring? Because we already know that there is a distinction between the northern EU countries and the southern EU countries. Absolutely. I mean, uh, for example, we have Italy who had uh, that has uh, debts of about 155% uh, of debt of GDP, and they would have to go down to 60%. Um, and this would mean a reduction of debt levels by by about 6 or 7% per, per year. And this is an enormous amount to take out of the economy, because that's what you do. Um, and uh, this would stifle growth immediately and would in the end lead to even higher debt. So we have a target, but we don't know how to achieve it. And do we know when this will be implemented? There is a goal there, uh, but there will be very. It will be very hard to reach a compromise. Um, probably the the rules, uh, the the targets I just explained, they might be in. They might stay the same, but there will be more leeway given to the Commission in how to enforce them. They want to have the first guidance out in the first quarter of next year. And then they want to say uh, whether they want to actually change the rules uh, before the budget process for 2023. Because right now the fiscal rules are suspended until next year, but for 2023 they are expected to come back into effect. But if they have to come back into effect, Italy and other countries simply cannot uh, apply that. So if the rules come back into effect, they have to be changed before. So I guess we've, we will find out in the first half of next year what is planned. Thank you, Janos. And our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori and this was your Active Spion on the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.